For our meditation this evening, let's turn together to Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6. Galatians, chapter 6. I'd like to read the first three verses. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. These three short verses that we have read together, I believe, describe a scenario that every one of us has and will find ourselves in. Namely, that of being overtaken with a fault. None of us are perfect. We know that all too well. And even though when one becomes a child of God, when we become a Christian, the Bible teaches us that we obtain a perfect position in Christ because of what Christ did on the cross for us that our condition is still one of being imperfect. And it is one in which we do, as it says here, at times find that we are overtaken in a fault. And in this particular case, when the Bible uses the word fault, it is actually uh, referring to sin. Sometimes we like to minimize our imperfections by just calling them that, imperfections or weaknesses or faults, and do that to somehow take the edge of it off of it being called a sin. And yet, when the Bible speaks about sin, it tells us that all unrighteousness is sin. And so even those things that we may try to uh, smooth over a little bit or call something different than they really are, yet it is sin. And certainly when the Bible here speaks about being overtaken in a fault, it is referring to being overtaken or overcome or falling into or or having um, sin somehow influence our lives. And that should come to no surprise to any of us as God's children. In John, in 1 John, the Bible says that if anyone, if any man say he hath no sin, he makes God to be a liar. And we all do sin, regardless of what we might call it. But we are not living in sin Hopefully, God forbid that we should. We are not, as God's children, to be slaves to sin or to be even habitually sinning, but that we do sin, that we do from time to time become overtaken in a fault is a reality that all of us face. And probably one of the areas in which that will manifest itself in our lives, in each of our lives, more often than not, is in our speech, in the things that we say. 
And we can hardly go a day without recognizing that we didn't say something either that was entirely truthful or that was right or maybe it was done in the wrong way or for the wrong purposes or wrong intentions. And James reminds us of that and, and the Bible says in many things we offend all. Another way of saying that, another translation says in For we all stumble in many ways. And another way to say that would be that in this regard, many times we are overtaken in the fault of something we say or how we say it. The Bible also tells us that we can err from the truth. We can read that in in James as well. It says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, clearly implying that that can happen in our lives, where we can come to a place where where we are really wrong, where we are sinning because we have moved away from the truth of God's word and perhaps believed something that is not according to Scripture or are living our lives in a way that is not according to Scripture. And... That can happen very easily. And that can also be, in a sense, overtaken in a fault. in Overtaken in faulty beliefs or faulty interpretations of the scriptures or faulty applications of the scripture. And those things are false as well. And whenever we are not aligned with God's word properly, we are actually in a sense, sinning, because we are not following the Lord entirely as we should. There are other areas, and and probably many more, that we could mention where we can be overcome in a fault. And Sometimes those faults are not, to use the expression, entirely our fault, in the sense that, that they are of our own making. Sometimes they are just the way we have perhaps been taught, or raised, or or brought up to believe, or influenced by things around us, by those that would speak to us and maybe influence us to believe a certain way. And the Bible speaks about those that are weak in their faith, and weak as a result of of being perhaps easily offended, easily um, moved away from the truth of God's uh, God's word and, and the scriptures. And, and we can be overtaken in those kinds of weaknesses as well in the things that we believe or how we live out our lives. And at times, even the Bible speaks of a condition of being feeble-minded. And while we may not necessarily look at all of these as, as directly as sin, yet they are faults, they are deficiencies, so to speak, in our lives that keep us from being everything that God wants us to be, and we should look at them. And so I want to, this evening, just go through these three verses and consider those areas of our lives, whether they are clearly sin or or just unrighteousness or faults, just areas of weakness or areas in which we need to grow and we need to mature and we need to become more like Christ. And identify them, what are they? 
And then, who, who is the one that can and should help us out of that situation? And why is that important that we do that for one another? Not only that we would be the one to, to help someone, but that we would also be the one that is willing to receive the help as well. And then these verses also speak to how that should be done. And finally, um, not necessarily in these particular verses, but in verse 10, it addresses when this is important. So let's begin with the what that it's talking about here. When it speaks about what it says, uh, brethren, this is clearly a reference to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Telling us that we have a responsibility, as we often say, to be our brother keeper, our brother or sister's keeper, in that we are to look out for one another and be there to to help each other. And it says, if we identify that that someone has been overtaken, um, it may be through carelessness, it may be intentional, it may be just something that that they didn't see coming when we when we read the word overtaken it almost implies that that this is not really intentional that this person didn't set out to to sin didn't set out to um be overtaken with this sin or with this fault but that it's something that that came upon them albeit maybe their carelessness or their neglect or ignorance whatever it is but whatever it is, they are in this situation where they have been overtaken with this. And what are we to do? The Bible says very clearly here that we are to restore them. That we are to be there. Not It doesn't say judge them. It doesn't say condemn them. It doesn't say make fun of them for what has happened in their lives or, or any other thing that would be something that would put them down. And, and certainly that would also be something that we shouldn't do. It clearly says that we should restore them. And so what does that mean? What it says here to restore them, it's talking about restoring them to a position that they were in before this happened to them. And hopefully that was a, a position in which they were walking in a way that was closer to the Lord. And so we are to restore someone on the right path, pointed in the right direction, helped out perhaps if we could use the, the analogy of, of one that has, that is in this condition of being overtaken by a fault as having fallen into a ditch, so to speak, and that we would be the one then to help them out of the ditch. Or if they have simply stumbled um, and have fallen down, that we would be the one there to lift them up and to restore them into that standing position. And so that's what, what we are called to do. But the Bible here also says that we are to bear one another's burdens. No one wants to be overtaken in a fault. No one wants to be in this situation where we find ourselves saying or doing things that we know are not right. And being in that position, we need to 
be there to bear that with them. Not bear down on them and being critical, but bear that with them and try to help them in that situation. So what are we to do? We are to restore, we are to bear one another's burdens. And who is the one that is going to do that? Well, the Bible clearly tells us, it says, ye which are spiritual. Those that are spiritual are the ones that can and should be in the place to be able to help someone that is overtaken in a fault, help to restore them and help to bear their burden and help them in that situation. If we look at the um, some verses preceding our text in, in um, Galatians here, chapter 5, verse 22, it speaks about the characteristic of the characteristics of the person who is spiritually mature and is spiritual and able to help someone. And they are characterized by having the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And having the fruit of the Spirit will equip us and enable us to be the one to help that one that has been overtaken in a fault. We know them, probably most of us, by memory. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all of these things. And if these, if these things are in us, like Peter also says, that if we have faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity, and that if these things be in us, and abound, they will make us to be neither barren nor unfruitful. And part of the fruit that should be um, evident from having the fruit of the Spirit is that these this fruit is played out in our lives as we interact with one another and as we are there to help each other in in the needs that we have, in bearing one another's burdens and helping to restore someone that has fallen. In Romans chapter um, 15, I'd just like to read quickly, it speaks about those that are strong. It's um, in a reference to those that may be weak because of their conscience and so on, but then it goes on to say, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. It's speaking to, to those that are spiritually mature, those that perhaps are not weak in their conscience on a particular issue and are in a position to be able to be strong in that and then to be able to help someone that is weak. Someone that is perhaps feeble-minded, as the Bible says, or whose conscience, as the Bible says, is weak. But certainly also to be able to be strong in the Lord to help that erring one, the one that has been overtaken in a fault, that has fallen into some kind of a sin. 
Those that are strong are those whom we can read about in Hebrews, where the Bible says that who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Those that are spiritually mature and strong in the Lord and spiritual, as we can read here in this text, are those that exercise themselves in godliness, that make an effort to grow in their spiritual walk, to be able to have that wisdom and that discernment, not only to know the difference between good and evil, but also to know how they can help one that has fallen or been overtaken by a fault. And that is definitely those that are mature in their faith. So we might think to ourselves, well, I'm not all that mature. I'm not in that position to really be able to help someone that is overtaken in a fault. The truth of the matter is that all of us are at different levels of maturity in different areas of our life. And hopefully all of us at, as believers will be in a place that for a given situation, at a given time, we will be able to be there to help someone, to help restore them, to help bear their burden and to be there for them in that situation. And so we should never think that that I can't do anything or that I'm not able to do anything because I'm not as mature as somebody else or I'm not mature at all. First of all, we should strive for that maturity so that we can be in that place to help someone. And then we should also recognize that God has given each of us Levels of maturity in different areas. We may not be as mature in one area as someone else is, but we may be more mature in a different area than that same person is. And in so that, in, in that area of maturity, let's allow God to use us to help restore our brother and sister when they have been overtaken in a fault and also be there to help carry their burden. But all of this should motivate us to grow in our relationship with the Lord so that we would become more and more mature. The Apostle Paul recognized that he had not obtained that position of perfection. He said, not as though I had already, were already uh, perfect, but I strive after. And we should also be striving to become more and more like Christ so that we can help one another. So why do we need to do this? The scripture also teaches us exactly why we need to do this. It says here, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I said at the beginning that this is really, the scripture is really a scenario that we find, that all of us find ourselves in. Hopefully all of us find ourselves in that place where we can help someone, but for certain, we will all be in this place where we too have been tempted and failed. Where we have been overtaken in a fault, some kind of fault, some kind of sin, some kind of situation that, that we need to, we need help in to, to be restored. And 
Whatever that situation is, the Bible says that why we do this for one another is because we too will find ourselves in need of the very same thing. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, Take heed, um, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. We should never come to a place in our spiritual walk where we think that we are um, invincible, that we are incapable, or that we can't be overtaken in a fault, or that we can't sin, or that we can't have some kind of um, weakness or area that we don't need help in. That same verse tells us that God is faithful and that, that, that we are, um, tempted, um, in many ways like, like everyone else. And we too will fall at times like everyone else. In verse three here, the Bible says, For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So why why do we need to, to do this? Is because we too need to recognize that we at times will be in this place where we need the very same thing. Because to think that that wouldn't be the case would be really taking this verse and 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 thinking more highly than our, of ourselves than we ought to, being proud of ourselves, being in a position where we might say, oh, that would never happen to me. I would never say something like that. I would never do something like that. And that is a deception. And that is not being humble. And that is, that is being proud and, and thinking that, that those things that have happened to others that have been overtaken are beyond us. So we need to guard against that because if we don't, we are deceiving ourselves. None of us are so strong, or rather are, are strong or weak all of the time. And at the same, in the same way, none of us are strong or weak in everything. What I'm trying to say with this is that we all have areas that we struggle with, that we stumble in, that we offend, that we are overtaken in. And at the same time, we have areas of strength. And so we need to recognize that, that we need to be there to help somebody else because there will come and there will most certainly be a time when we need them to help us. And so we need to do that for one another. There's another very important reason that the Bible gives us in this text for why we need to do this. In verse 2, the Bible says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what is it talking about here, the law of Christ? I believe, while it may certainly be a reference to all of the teachings and instructions that Jesus has given, but more than anything, the law of Christ is what the Bible refers to as, as 
the golden rule that we would do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And this becomes that important reason why we need to bear one another's burdens, why we need to restore, why we need to be there to help one another and help the one that has been overtaken in a fault. Because we would want them to do that for us if we were in their shoes, in their position. And when we are in that moment of weakness or in that time of difficulty, we want that for us. And so when we do that for someone else, we are actually fulfilling this very important command of Christ, of doing unto others what we would have them do for us. So the Bible here also instructs us how this should be done. It says here, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. In humility. And again, we are not to have that prideful attitude of, oh, that wouldn't happen to me, but recognize that, yes, that could happen to me. And in other areas, it does happen to me. And it's in this spirit of meekness and humility that we are to approach someone, not being judgmental, not being condescending, not being um, harsh or demeaning in how we approach them, but to do it in the spirit of meekness and in humility. And if we are spiritual in the sense of having the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives, then all of that that we read about earlier will play itself out in how we restore and how we bear one another's burdens. We will do it with patience. We will do it lovingly. We will do it with gentleness. We will do it certainly, as we've already said, with meekness. And we will do it with the desire to be not only at peace with God, but to be at peace with one another in a peaceful way. And and James speaks about this um, as well. Contrasting that which is done out of envy or strife, which brings about confusion and, and evil work, he says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So if our efforts to bear one another's burdens and to restore one that has been overtaken in a a fault are done in this way, The Bible tells us that it is easy to be entreated. In other words, it will be accepted. It will be received properly when it is done by us properly. As I said earlier, often 
we are overtaken in a fault or a sin that is related to the things that we say, how we say them, and, and, and we sin, the Bible says, in that way many times. And it's so important that when we are there to, to help someone to bear their burden and to, to restore them, that most often that will happen in our speaking. Yes, sometimes there are physical things that we can and need to do to help to restore them. But more often than not, it will be something that we say to them. That we speak into their hearts, into their lives. And how we do that can make all of the difference between whether we are really helping to bear their burden or helping to restore them. And so we read in Colossians chapter 4 that it says, Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. And we all know that words that are not spoken in this way can be like salt in a wound. It can be like salt being rubbed into a wound that, that stings, that hurts, that, that causes pain. But if we want to restore, if we want to help one that has been overtaken and bear their burden, then our speech, what we say to them, and how we say it, needs, as the Bible says, to be with grace and seasoned with salt. It needs to be something that will help the situation and make all of the difference. There's a quote that um, I probably shared this before. It goes like this. A friend is someone who can put their finger on our faults without rubbing it in. A friend is someone who can put their finger on our faults without rubbing it in. And this is what we are called in this scripture to do, to help one another, to bear one another's burdens, to restore and to, to, to lift each other up and to edify and strengthen one another and to do that in a gentle way. Yes, not with, with grace and with truth. And the Bible speaks about the importance of those two. And sometimes we can have a lot of grace and, and no truth, and sometimes truth and no grace, but the Bible says that we should have truth and grace and to be able to, to help someone when they are down for whatever reason. To be able to help them effectively, we need to have that grace and that truth and in that way bear their burdens. And finally, when should we do this? Well, in verse 10, the Bible says that whenever we have the opportunity to do good, we should do it to all men, but especially to those of the household of faith. So when do we do it? We do it when we see the need, just like the good Samaritan, when he saw the need of the one that had been left by the wayside, he didn't simply walk by like the others. He was there to meet the need. And so when we see someone that has been overtaken in a fault, 
We need to be there for them at that moment, at that time. When we see someone that has is is carrying a burden or bearing something that is difficult, whatever the cause, even if it is of their own making, we need to be ready and willing to help them in that time. And that we would be ready always to do good whenever we have the opportunity. Amen.